0: I'm realizing I feel like totally ambivalent about what's happening socially most of the time. That's like so funny to me because I, I mean, I guess that's the point of the secondary instinct, but like the way the two of you were talking about it, I'm like, none of like, why is that a big deal? Like either way.
1: This is actually a really fun trio because all of us don't really care about one of the things. And it's so funny to hear the other two talk about it.
0: So welcome back to Not My Type. Jack and Malia here today again, as ever. Uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, I am a sexual social two-wing three with a two-seven-eight trifix. Malia can tell her, her, her little spiel.
1: I am a seven-wing six. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> and I am a seven-two-eight in my trifix. And, and she's then social my, self-press. Um, yeah, thank you. I was going to get to that, You're but you got it to it faster. By the way, Sorry, you were my voice too sounds... Long. Yeah, well, I have a sickness brain, so if I sound like I'm about to die, I'm not, but I am slightly sick, so bear she with has my voice nineteen. I do not. I do, do not spread lies. I do not have COVID-19. I have taken a test. I am totally fine. I must not um,
0: tell lies.
1: I must not tell lies. Throw back to our Harry Potter episodes. You should listen to them. I know, which I
0: really wish we could amend. There were so many incorrect things. Anyways, um, <gasps> well, guys. I'm so, juicy. I'm so glad we're here. Um, we have a special guest today. Her name is Jess. Jess, why don't you say ho, hi, not ho? And um <laughs> introduce yourself a little bit and tell us tell us what's going on.
2: Hi, I'm Jess. I'm a six wing seven six four nine self-prosexual.
0: I'm so glad you're here. We invited <laughs> Jess today because our last episode was a lot of fun, but we basically self-indulgently talked about ourselves, which was a blast. <laughs> but, not super representative of people who are social blind. And we were like, oh uh, yeah, and social blindness. Forgot about that, like that too. Um, mm. And Jess was texting me after the episode. She said, that was so great. There are so many things I want to tweak. And I said, oh, okay, great. Like just tweak them. <laughs> so we brought her on. She's okay. Oh, okay. We need to give some context. So Jess and I met, this is literally the coolest thing ever. I love this. Um, Jess and I were in the same Facebook group about the Enneagram called Enneagrammer Universe. And um, she literally just like reached out to me asking for a video because I was saying I was 278 and she was like that's ridiculous so she was ready to blast me into smithereens or something and basically she watched a a typing video of me where I just like answered some questions whatever and she was like I don't think your type is correct so here's my here are my thoughts and I was like that's so interesting and then we found out um that she was living like right next to where i was moving to so um jess is in my area we're like real-time friends in real life now which is excellent um Mm -hmm. but so she Jess has for for those of you listening you should know a couple things about jess she's quirky she's super duper smart and she has incredible insights so that's why i'm really glad we have her here no thank you no you're welcome and she's here to tell us a little bit about what social blindness looks like uh, but also we can just continue the conversation about instincts in general And uh, Malia, do you have any questions for Jess you want to start with?
1: Oh, well, I actually kind of do because I'm really excited to hear, honestly, the completion of our conversation last time because we even, I mean, even we mentioned, oh, we would love to hear, you know, from someone who actually is social blind to talk about this. Um, so maybe Jess, I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit, like, um, from our last episode, um listening to it what were things like we talked a little bit about social blindness but maybe what's your general response about like living life as as a social blind individual um I don't know because it's like my blind spot so I don't know what I'm missing that's totally fair <laughs> <laughs> that okay let me ask fair. you a more specific question of yes, like do that I don't know well okay so last time we were talking about like even for an example like social situations, um i'm really focused on the group as a whole jack is fo- focused on the individuals usually that that he connects with the best even what is your focus in a practical situation like an, at a party or at a you know at a group setting or like i don't know what that looks like for you but that's my question
2: yeah honestly my focus is on me and i'm trying to make sure that i am doing the right thing in the right mm contacts so like trying to if i'm conversing with someone trying to make sure that like i'm making eye contact and i'm smiling when i'm supposed to be and like honestly like trying to enjoy the conversation too but it's very much like what am
1: i
0: presenting what am i doing
1: so it's like logical is what for me yeah yeah Mm -hmm.
0: yeah does it take, is that like a learned skill or something like you know how to do intuitively? Like, what does that mean for you?
2: Um, I would imagine it's a learned skill. Yeah, I, I, I can't imagine it not being a learned skill because you have to figure out how to um, just have conversation. And sometimes I mess up, like I'll do an mm-hmm at the wrong point <laughs> or, um, <laughs> That's so funny. or like laugh when I shouldn't. Um because it's just, or like a lot of it is too, is how interesting what in front of me is. And so if it's not very interesting, I'll lean more on the automated responses that I have. And then if it is
1: interesting, like then
2: I'm engaged and um, it feels a little bit easier.
1: Are you usually like, are you easily distracted or or bored Yes. in those situations?
0: Yes, very much so. Do you Mm. think of that as, like, a seven-wing related thing? Or do you think that's related to being social blind or sexual second? I'm just curious on where you think that's coming from.
2: Probably all three. Um, three Well, just, yeah, just the, yeah, probably more, I don't know, because it's, like, so mentally focused that it's, like, oh, like, is this interesting, you know, which also would go with the sexual playground. And then having a really hard time. I mean, I do it because... It's like I think it's wrong to just like check out on a conversation, but it is really difficult if like it is really boring to like not just want
1: to leave. <laughs> yeah, yeah, which I can see as being sevenish I, too.
0: I, yeah, for sure. Um, I haven't. I have a, I've thought about were there any things like were there any things that we said about social blindness. Um, in the last episode that you thought like oh that's totally right or oh that's totally wrong I don't remember what we said oh one thing
2: yeah no one one thing I really like that you guys said was just because I've never thought about this is just that the world for the social blind is a lot smaller Um, and I don't know if it's like more specifically my stacking versus the sexual self president but like just the insularity of like my day-to-day and even like my month-to-month or week-to-week like it's just I have it's just, it's just, it's not very big. I just have like my home, I have my family and then I'll like, see there's like people, if I go shopping and like, but in terms of like hanging out with a lot of people, it just doesn't happen that often. It's not that I don't like it, but it just, just the, I mean, a lot of this is also, I'm a mom. And so there's a lot of like, just like that whole setup, you just are out less, but um, just the frequency of the amount that I see people isn't is kind of small, so I, I did like that. Opposed, to, I mean, I, I don't know what it's like, to obviously, to have a bigger world.
0: But okay, I wanted to read a little bit from John Lokovich's book that we were reading last time, um, "Instinctual Approaches to the Enneagram." I think is what it's called. Um, I have a little excerpt here that he wrote about social blindness, um, and I wanted to get Justice's thoughts on it. So I'm going to read a couple of things that stand out to me. Um. He opens with, to have an underdeveloped social instinct is to operate from a vague notion of the social architecture of interpersonal and group situations alike. So making efforts to connect or trying to participate in a social scene can seem taxing or lacking any clear benefit. People who are social blind value relationships, have friends, and do want to contribute toward the benefit of others, just like most people, but they have very little innate motivation to follow through. Social blinds often feel like they don't get all the nuances of human emotion, even if they're quite emotional and sensitive themselves. And do you have any response to that?
2: Um, yeah, the the amount that social tax is taxing in terms of like on an energy level is like huge. Um, I'm just exhausted after like church or like the homeschool cough we go to. Just like it just takes so much to like just do all that, and then I'm like wiped for the rest of the day.
0: And um, um, what is the what is the response to that? Like when you're wiped, what do you do when you go home?
2: I like go sit and look at my iPad <laughs> <to> check out.
1: <laughs> do you, do, do you feel that like mentally or physically or both? Or what kind of tiredness is it?
2: Um, It's not so much physical. No, no, actually, no, it does get physical. One, it's like obviously mental, but like I will get into if like it's, if the being out is, if that's going too long, it will manifest in like physical pain where like everything about me will become more sensitive. And I just feel like on edge and that like, uh, I feel raw. Mm. Like I, like I'm like, there's no more fuel. I'm overspent and I just need to go curl up somewhere or, um, yeah, just feels like someone's stabbing me over and over and over again with little needles.
0: <laughs> oh, wow. That's <laughs> dramatic and awful. Um, <laughs> I love I how she says really it and Malia and I are like freaking out. Cannot <laughs>
1: really, but this is so interesting.
0: Wait, so you say, you're you saying that's like any social interaction that's taking too long or is it like ones you don't like?
2: Um, it, It's worse if I don't like it. Like it just happens faster. Like it just takes more energy to like fake, like not necessarily a fake, but just like put up with Um, if I don't want to be there.
1: Hmm.
0: That's interesting. We lack a social mind perspective on this podcast simply always. So I'm glad that you're here for that reason. But also what I think is interesting is that Strangely, Malia and I found each other and we're both triple hexad so there's this two seven and eight thing going on where in no arena are we really attaching that we're like we might attach in a wing as like a side dish, but it's not really a thing we're doing regularly um, so I was curious like what does attachment mean for you in the context of social blindness like considering I attachments maybe aren't always people, but I feel like a lot of times the attachment types have to attach to people and um, do you feel like that's true for you? Do you feel like that's not true? And like, if it's not true, like what are the attachments instead of people?
2: Uh, I think the attachments are mostly people. I I think being an attachment type and being social blind is just like so opposite. Um, because I, especially like as a six, like I want everything that I do and say to be affirmed. I want it to be validated. I want it to be like bounced off. I want feedback. Uh, and that requires people. And I very, very, very much want not to be alone at all. And, like, I even have trouble... I actually have trouble being alone. Like, I always want someone in the room that I'm comfortable with. Um, and if I have a large, um, like, free time, I have trouble of thinking things to do, which is, you know, just very six-ish. But... Um, so it's just odd. It's 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 a very push-pull, like... I'm very needy of people and yet they completely overwhelm me.
1: That is a that is such a weighty thing to hold both of those two things. Wow.
0: Yes it is. <laughs> <laughs> Do you feel needy of people? Okay, I guess like when you're when you're at church or when you're at the homeschool co-op and you're with all those people and you're being drained, are you trying to attach to them? Like are you looking to attach to them or no? Because you don't like feel comfortable with them? Like, what? or I don't know. I'm just curious what that means. I'm
2: looking for a fun experience with someone, whether that be through just laughing or through like a shared commonality or with depth. So I'm kind of always on the hunt for that. And I guess like in that I'm trying to like meet them where they are. So I think I'm attaching like in that conversation, it's just that that tends to be draining or like it, I had a I had a thought of what you know. I thought that it would be an amazing conversation. It was just mediocre. So yeah, there's some frustration there. But
1: if if it's a mediocre, I have two questions actually. Mm-hmm. One is how do you feel about small talk? And my second question is, if it is a mediocre conversation, do you feel like you come away analyzing that? And do you who do you blame in that situation? Like where does the blame go, or is there blame involved if there's like a, it's mediocre? That's
2: interesting. Um, I guess to answer the second one, whose fault is it? I don't know if it was anyone's fault. It's just that we weren't connecting or like the personalities weren't lining up. Like there wasn't like any chemistry. Um, cause if there is, then it, there just is. Um, and yeah, I don't know if I would assign blame to anyone. And then I don't, mind small talk, especially if it's about honestly I like talking about the weather um, <laughs> because I like <laughs> analyzing it. But like in, in terms of like people just like talking about their like just stuff that doesn't matter. Um, I've always wondered if as a social blind attachment, I have always been fascinated and obsessed with the Enneagram because what the Enneagram has done for me is it has made everyone interesting, um, even if they're talking about small talk. Um, and so I, I almost wonder if I got into it unconsciously. Uh, in order to stay attached, which to me is fascinating. Because to, ev- now, to
0: everyone that's fascinating. Wow, keep going. What, yeah. what does that mean? Um,
2: well, just that now I can make, I can, my own fascination, I mean, with the sexual second, now everything becomes exciting. Like even this person talking about, even this very annoying person talking about this thing that I don't like, they're still showing their type. And so I can, even though like it's kind of like, depersonalizing like i can kind of like enjoy this person enjoy this conversation for what data they're giving me because it's
1: stimulating yeah it's stimulating the mind yeah mm-hmm. yeah that is and, so yeah.
0: intriguing uh,
1: also there's something you said earlier that's fascinating because it's not every language i would use and it's a language i've heard jack use before being sexual dominant which is um there's no chemistry and when there is there just is yeah like you, you said that that's so fascinating because I'm like I'm like do we have similar interests or is there is it logically makes sense that we're friends you know like instead of like if there is just chemistry there is and I wonder if part of that chemistry is like knowing more about a person and having the Enneagram knowledge in your back pocket just what you just said like it, it allows me to instantly know more about everyone which makes us feel more connected then yeah before
2: it also like lets me get like I start um I start in Uh there like I start in their insides and like I know your unconscious mechanisms and it like just gives me like an edge I guess to I mean I, I don't really talk about it that much unless like I think that the person is interested but like I feel like I already like have a grasp of your inner workings and that's what I want
0: so. Why do you want that? Because it's fun and interesting, or like, is that related um, to like the no. six, like I want to be safe kind of thing, or?
2: Um, I'm. I mean, a little bit is that it prepares me for the conversation, and prepares me for talking. Because like before, I knew about the enneagram. Like some types, I would just looking back, I would just avoid some types because they were too scary or whatever. Um, but I also think that that's where people are. I think people are like in their pain and in their like in what they're. Frustrated and angry with, like that's what I want to connect
0: over. I, I like that, and I wanted to ask about like the idea. Maybe this, maybe you don't have any thoughts about this, but I, w- I want you to have thoughts about this, so make them up. Um, okay. <laughs> I feel like something that's interesting and fun for me and Amelia to talk about is the way that, like, the sexual instinct is a big deal and is very important. To both of us for completely opposite reasons because Malia's ego is threatened by it and my ego is addicted to it so I was wondering like if if my neurosis is hinged on the sexual instinct and hers is hinged on ignoring it how would you say like what is sexual as a second a secondary instinct like as a playground kind of I'm not freaking out about it either way what does that mean for you what does that actually look like because I literally have no sense of what that even means practically
2: for me I see it the most in that I can truly enjoy just getting lost in something Um, I don't know if John talks about it in this book or whether it was just like in a post somewhere but that the second instinct does something to the first so if you're a self-pressed second uh, it stabilizes your dominant instinct if you're if you're a social second it personalizes your dominant instinct and if you're a sexual second it sexualizes your dominant instinct um, so for me that means I sexualize stuff which is weird but on like a practical um level I just get like lost in whatever I'm doing with my hands whatever um like projects in just like literally anything with the body. And I can just enjoy that, but it especially, I see it the most with my, like, with my thinking, like my, I feel like my thoughts have a life of their own and they will, I feel taken by them. And I feel like I'm off somewhere and it's not so much like creating landscapes or world building or anything like that. It's more like actually just like thinking about the Enneagram or Um, having conversations in my head with people talking about the Enneagram or, um, and, and like, even like when one of my kids will like pull me out of it, it takes me like a second to like, to like stop the ride. Um, but it feels really good, um, to think even like just to think. And I can kind of see that being sexual second, just it's with my thinking, which is a little bit weird.
1: Mm.
0: That's intriguing to me. And I, am curious, like, how do you feel like that would be different than um, people who are self presocial?
2: I don't know. I don't see so much the getting so lost in thought that it's causing like actual problems in your life. Um, but, but it's not like I've asked self presocial people. Like, do you think so much and do you get so much loss that you forget to like put food on the table or something,
0: you know? That would make sense. That's, yeah. <laughs> I guess you're right. Um, and then another thing I want to talk about that maybe this is a shifting gear you're not ready for, but like, what does, um, how do you feel like this podcast with me and Malia as hosts is different because we don't have anyone who's self-pres dominant? And what do you feel like um, you could tell us or teach us about it? And I don't know, or in general, like, what are we missing? that you have
2: (laughs) i don't know uh being self-presdominant affecting a podcast
1: oh i was just gonna prompt you and like i think it's hard for me to ask questions like good practical questions to people who i do not share their type structure or their instincts stacking at all you know it's i know how i feel and i know the questions i would like to be asked but it's hard for me to ask Questions that that I can't relate to, you know. So maybe, what's a question you wish you were asked, or is has been helpful in the past when you were asked, and it helped you process through how you are, the way you are, or just how you think.
2: I mean, I always love looking at different perspectives because I feel like I I get a better sense of where I am based on where other people are, which is sexist. But yeah, I don't know how, because I'm still thinking about Jack's question
0: too. Like, what is being self presdom like for you in the context of being social blind? That, that's sort of what I want to know. And like, this is sort of a secondary question, but like, what, what are we missing in that? Because we don't have that, you know, like, well, we, I, we don't have I, that yeah, schema for it. I kind of feel like for
2: me, like I'm, there's so much self president because the, the sexual instinct plays into the first and so that's why I like the image of, like, the spiral for the self sexual because it's just getting lost in self-pres and feeding self-pres and wanting to um, be attractive through self-pres and everything just, like, comes back to self-pres. And, like, so, like, I feel like my world is more self present if I had, if I was, like, self-pres social.
0: That's interesting. Wait. It's the breadth thing, I guess. Like, the, the size of your world is smaller. So even though you're not any more self press dominant than someone who's self prez social, like the realm of experience for it is just more concentrated maybe. Like, I, I don't know if that's really accurate, but that's the Yeah. I mean,
2: well, even just, just on like a time and what time spent, you know, like way more of my time gets spent on just getting lost in self prez stuff. And I think if like, even just the things that I would do every week would be different. Mm.
1: I would probably have more food analogies. <laughs> <laughs> I love food analogies. analogies. Um so I, I have a question then um you know you you mentioned the spiral you mentioned getting lost in getting easily lost in you know yourself or just like your hobbies or your your own kind of thought process. Um but but you're also a mom and you're also a wife. What is that process like for you? What are challenges you faced? Um I thought about this some because
2: a little bit ago, I forget where I read it, but the social the uh, parenting is a very like social instinct, just naturally, because it's not serving self-pres and it's not serving sexual like it's just the relationship. and so I've kind of been able to see how I have supplemented uh, the social instinct with self- present sexual in terms of like especially parenting. Um, and with that, it's that like I truly I truly find my children fascinating, and I love teaching them. And a part of the teaching is just almost like a weird, like the challenge of it, like the skill set you need, the being in the spotlight, the the just like when you do a good job, you feel like you feel on fire, you feel like you're performing well. Um, and so it's I've noticed it's a very like a lot of it is just like a performance aspect of like, I'm gonna do a great job at this and I'm gonna look good doing it. Not obviously for anyone, cause no one's there in the house except for me and them, but just for like the eye that I'm always seeing myself through. Yeah, so it was a lot about, cause like having like doing the whole like challenging yourself and like seeing if you're, if you can do it is very self president dominant. So I kind of see how I've used those two in lieu of social.
0: That's very interesting. John talked about in the book how basically like social blindness breeds this kind of deluded sense of like hyper independence almost. Mm, and I was curious, yeah. like, do you think how does that affect you as a six? Because six is like the most overtly dependent type structure, I guess. And like, how does that, maybe it's the same question before is like, what is it like to be social blind in a six? But like, in general, do you feel like you're deluded by your own sense of independence or is that not an option for you as a six?
2: I think six does the whole swing thing too. So it's like even more so like, I don't need anyone, you know, like, and so we'll push against like, like even like some sixes of like, oh, like I was following this one idea structure or something, but that thing was wrong and now I'm going to fight against it. So like, I think that, I I don't know if that's made like the push harder, but I definitely like I, for, for a while I thought, I was one fixed instead of nine fixed. And a lot of it came from just the times where it's like, no, I don't, I, I really, like, I want to do it on my own. I enjoy doing it on my own. I enjoy, I'm way more of like a dodgeball player than I am like a team sport, you know, like dodge, like I, and then I like that imagery, like dodgeball, you're still on, on, on a team, you know, but it's really about you. It's really whether you can win for your team and hit the person and be the only one left standing dodge all the balls and look really cool but you're still like quote unquote on a team but it's actually about you (laughs) and looking good
0: I love that (laughs) that's perfect that's so interesting wow when did you think of that did you just think of that right now
2: no I thought of it because someone asked my daughter like whether she likes team sports and she and she was talking about then I realized that that like I tried to join so many team sports like in high school and stuff like that because I would thought the idea would be awesome. And then like two weeks later, I'd always quit them because uh, I just it wasn't. I just couldn't do it for like probably a host of reasons. Um, but I've always loved dodgeball, you know. Um, and yeah, so I've been thinking about
0: that. <laughs> it's so funny, especially considering dodgeball is now like banned in school or something. It's no, like not in homeschool sure. co-ops just nice. yeah. like <laughs> yeah, did you know that you seem shocked like in public schools like kids like can't play dodgeball anymore it's like that's a totally
1: that's crazy yeah
0: it was like forbidden because people thought that children were being abused if you were a child who was abused by dodgeball please forgive my insensitivity um <laughs> I'm glad that you guys get to play that at the homeschool co-op you should go pelt those kids <laughs> yeah um, I have <laughs> Oh you have. You actually play with them? Like you the oh, yeah, parents if, play?
2: Oh this is this is an embarrassing story but like there was this one time where um they needed someone to step in because the teams weren't even and so I'm playing with like like a bunch of 9 year olds and <laughs> I get the ball and there's this kid in front of me and I dodge his ball and I have this perfect shot and I take it and it hits him right in the face. But it, and it was such a good shot and I was so happy with myself. So <laughs> I was like, "Oh like like you know praising myself and then i was like oh my god i knocked
1: off his glasses this is someone's kid like i'm an adult here you know like (laughs) talk (laughs) about getting lost in your own thing like you're so physical experience dodgeball experience yeah i'm gonna like make this like kid
2: cry and like gloat about it yeah but he was fine but it was a good shot (laughs) Um,
1: can i go back to something you said a bit ago because it, it it has less to do with instincts it was just a fascinating thing that i have not heard from a 6 before which was you said like the 6 does a pendulum swinging too but you like you like adhere to an idea until you don't agree with it anymore but then you're not like onto a different idea now you're like now i was wrong so i have to tell everyone else that i was wrong or like prove that i was wrong on that same idea yeah. which is so interesting because if you actually think about it like a pendulum it's you're you're still attached to the same idea you're just on the you're just on the other side now it's like you're still attaching to the exact same thought but at one point you were pro for the thought and now you're against the thought but you're still attaching and um i've never thought about that and that's probably also why sixes think that you know have that one it's easy to be like am i for this one like justice like must prove that i must prove what's right, but it's actually just like I can't detach from the thought, so I just have to like be on the opposite side of the th- same thought. I don't know. It's like, do you want to expound upon that because that's so interesting.
2: You can't be ambivalent toward anything. like you have
1: to like if it's wrong, it should be
2: proven wrong. It should be dismantled. It should be um everyone should know. Um, and so everyone
0: should know what does that even mean? Yeah,
2: yeah, it Means that it should be it should be like publicly like. Like this was bad,
1: because everyone else who was betrayed by the information also needs to know, so that they can they can do their due diligence and get out. I feel that.
2: Yeah, you got a six point. I,
1: yeah, no, and I and I, that's what's so interesting because I always think I will respond like that. Like I always think I will like slightly attach onto the idea, like pendulum back and forth, and then I'll I'll think like, oh my gosh, now I have to stick with this forever, and then I get distracted legitimately on accident I'll just be like, now I'm thinking about something else. But I always I always start there. I always like, oh I'm gonna like be attached to this thought for a while and then I I I've done it enough times that I know my pattern doesn't end there. But it's so fun to hear you say like, no, it really does. You you stick with it to the end even if you're for it and then against it
0: just you just said a second ago like you can't be ambivalent to something and yet ironically like six is simultaneously ambivalent about everything because of that idea you know
2: yeah well because you might need to change positions Uh
0: this is so contradictory
2: (laughs) but you might need to move and like the thing could be wrong the thing could always be wrong and something else could always be better or not better but like more right so you just need to like and i get and i think that's that's what makes six attach um so adaptable and an attachment type is that this like just this prevalent sense that like, it may not be the thing that it it, 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 it may not be the right thing. I need to leave room for that always.
0: Hmm. That's very intriguing. That's so intriguing. And so I, wow. Well,
1: Jack, how do you res- respond to that in, in, in your using your words? How like, do you ever feel that?
0: I don't ever feel that. Um, No, I don't. Um, I think I sh- I start to I've started to learn that I should feel that way, a lot of times, and my I think a lot of it too is that my dad's a six, and so he I mean I've I've seen that same idea with him always that like any sort of overconfident statement or like whenever people are behaving as if like the truth is very apparent. Um, I just I just remember growing up and it mm. being. The person I was, I think a lot of times, like part of it was being sexual social. Like I just wanted to provoke people to see what would happen. And so I would make a lot of really overconfident statements that I didn't even believe in. Like I would make statements like, this thing is super obviously good or this thing is super obviously bad. And I didn't really believe that necessarily, but I wanted to see what would come of it. I wanted there to be discussion and I wanted to learn. I think like I genuinely wanted to learn. But that behavior in and of itself of me like prompting. Like, really, I was trying to provoke um, some discussion about it. Like, even though I think it was well-intended, it was very upsetting to my dad and to other sixes because there are plenty of them. But even the idea of, like, always leaving room to be wrong, I always forget to leave room. And then I Mm -hmm. am wrong. And then I have to backtrack and be like, well, I made that super, super bold (laughs) statement. And I was not right about it. Um, But I realized that it's, like, it's such a, I think that actually is a skill, but it just sounds mentally exhausting. Like I'd rather, I don't know, like to yep. to, have, to have space for it sounds like, how do you get anything done? Well, I can get a lot of stuff done, but
2: I just, I can't settle anywhere
0: mentally.
1: But I think that's also what, like the same thing that exhausts you is also the same, like not having that for me is terrifying because now you feel like, if you land somewhere and you build your home or you like you're gonna get stuck and then you can't escape and so it's like I that that little that room that I'm leaving to be wrong is is honestly my escape plan constantly which like I kind of feel both. I this is so funny because I'm I feel both of what you're saying it's like I feel the exhaustion of not being able to land anywhere and I also feel this like But you have to just do it, just like go and and live. And that's why it's always just like back and forth (laughs) constantly from like I'm like halfway on the ladder of the escape route and I'm just kind of there (laughs) (laughs) because at least I'm flying, you know, like at least I'm going somewhere or whatever. That's why airports are my favorite thing on the planet. I love airports. Like it's my favorite place. But once you're on the plane, you can't go back. No, and I didn't say planes. (laughs) I said airports, like specifically (laughs) airports, because it's the greatest escape plan in all. It's like the most perfect picturesque version.
0: You could go anywhere. You could go literally anywhere. Literally
1: anywhere. anywhere. You can you can have your entire world. You have kitchens out the wazoo. You have homes. You can sleep there. You know, it's like. Wait, what are you saying? No man's kitchens. (laughs)
0: What what kitchens are you talking (laughs) about? Endless restaurants. restaurants.
1: Yeah, she gets it.
0: Oh, I thought you were talking about like (laughs) hypothetical kitchens in the hypothetical countries you could hypothetically fly to. No, it's hypothetical
1: kitchens in the the hypothetical home that I'm making out of airports. I see. It's just like, you know, it's always, you're like, you are there, you're meant to be there for the time being. So that's where it's like you're leaving, you're not leaving room because you are living your life. But at the same time, you're leaving a big, big chunk of room because you could go anywhere at any point. And that's what's so great about it.
0: If there's any crisis you can literally just like hop on a plane and then you're out exactly. of it exactly it's funny
1: low commitment wow. high stakes okay
0: well <laughs> there you go that's low commitment high stakes i love that uh, i feel like i live that way a lot of the time um it's something i wanted to bring up that i that i love about the social instinct and i want to talk about is like the way that social is the humanizing instinct like even what you're talking about just like the parenting thing i wonder like social is also I think how we brand ourselves and have a sense of like our own personality and how we appear to people and how we come off and how we interact with other people and I'm realizing like Malia and I whether or not we want to are going to be doing that and have been doing that since we started this podcast in February um I was curious Jess like how do you feel like you have a sense of your own humanity and like personhood as someone who relates to other people like do you feel like that's very clear or unclear and How do you feel like it differs from the way I talk about it, considering you know me pretty well?
2: I think that what I want from people and that I want to be for people is someone that can give them a certain kind of experience. So I don't know. I mean, I could guess at what, like, I don't even know how I would define, like, my own humanity other than like, I am a human, you know, but like, I want to. Like, there's that line um, in Moulin Rouge that says, like, I want to love and be loved in return. I want to enjoy and be enjoyed in return. And I want to be enjoyed by God. I want to. It's interesting. I was thinking about this lately that, like, I find myself kind of, I found myself at one point kind of, like, almost objectifying myself for God. Like, I will be your six wing seven, six, four, nine, and I will do a good job at it. (laughs) And And so I think that is kind of, I mean, obviously you would never talk like that, but I'm trying to make sure I'm answering the question. I think
0: that's no, that's no, I actually wanted to talk about that too. So I don't even care what we were talking about before. Um, That was so interesting because I was going to bring that up too. Just how do you feel like maybe, maybe you know the answer to this or not, but like I feel like my relationship to God is so not that way. it, uh, Malia, I would love to hear your comments too, but basically, like, I feel like I have a very, ju- Malia, for your context and for everyone who's listening, like, there was a conversation Jess and I had one time where basically she said that kind of thing, not about just wanting to be enjoyed by God, but also wanting to experience God as, like, as, as He is, as, like, a thing to be experienced. And, um, and to me, it's like, yes, I experience God, but also, like, so much more important than that. He's a person. Mm. Um, And that was, it wasn't like there was any real offense taken, but the idea of thinking about that, like Jess was thinking about that, sounded like not only incomprehensible, but also like wrong, I guess, in a way. So I was curious, either one of you comment on that or what your experience is like in in contrast.
1: Um, Okay, this is really fascinating because it almost makes me connect in my head this idea that the ways that we most feel like we are honoring him or the the gifts we love to give are our dominant instincts are built out of that it's like yep. like that's what i'm hearing yes. from you but it's also yeah. like looking into my own life i'm like my great the thing that i feel is like so proud to offer him is community it's like when i have collected you know and and fed people i feel like I've really done a great job or like, I feel like I feel joyful that I've done that. And I, I, and I feel his joy so much closer to me when I've done that. And when I see him do it too, like when I see us working together to do that, I'm like, wow, we're both really receiving all of this joy and I'm glorifying you because of all of these people I've got to bring together and, and, and love and, and feed. Um, but Jack, we've had conversations about how um you know, different songs, like different, you know, songs, worship songs like hit different and that one song of uh it's like it's basically like a romance song to to Jesus.
0: For me, you're yeah. telling me? Yeah, yeah. So that song, that song is When I Lock Eyes with you. Um I remember I remember the first time I heard it I literally was sobbing, but basically like the the lyrics of the song are are from a human to God saying when I lock eyes with you, I see my reflection. When I lock eyes with you, I feel your affection. I want to get lost in you. You're my obsession. And um, I remember the first time I heard that, it floored me. But like, even, it, it's so funny because you're exactly right, Malia. Like, it really is the dominant instinct. And even even the secondary in a way, like the, the stacking matters as a whole too. Because like, I even had a conversation today with God. I was, I was journaling um, and just processing like, I, I always feel the need to like, to wow him in a sense. Like I always have to somehow transform the world that we live in. I now have to somehow add some sort of spark and like change people's lives. Um, not even just like, not even just connect with them or make them feel loved, but I have to somehow change them. And I had this realization today that like, I feel that impulse every single day. And it is like an unconscious shame response, I think there's this feeling of like, I can't, I can't approach God unless I've done something, not even just for people and not just for him, but something that altered reality Mm. that like took people and then like threw a bomb in them and made them better somehow. I I don't know, like maybe that's super deluded, but I feel like it's this very sexual idea of like, I touched people and now they will never be the same again. Mm. And if I'm not doing that every day, then I'm not actually meeting with God. Or honoring god yeah which is like such a convoluted thought process but
2: yeah um i think for me looking especially back into my past and like when i was a late teens um my now husband and i and two other friends had like a worship ministry and we just did these long like four hour sets of worship like once or twice a week and what i was doing i mean like the language I would use was that I was running after God and I was chasing him. What I, what I was chasing was his presence and the moment where like it falls and you feel, you can no longer tell, like you feel like he's between all of your cells and you can no longer tell where Mm. you start and he begins and you end and whatever. Um, And that, that was like the addiction, a good addiction, but like it was me just doing all these worship sets and like, and like, pressing and pressing and pressing in in order to feel something and that was like the height of my you know relationship Mm. with God
1: and like such a self-pressed thing to like and I and I know what you're saying too like I can I can tangibly feel that as well and what I what I started what I think is so cool about this conversation is not not just how we naturally connect with God in the ways that we're dominant in our instincts, but also the ways that I have seen him pull me to him because of my least, you know, because of my repressed instinct, because of my, because I'm repressing the sexual instinct when he is calling me to like engage with that or he's calling me to himself, like to to kind of like figure that out or, or um, I don't know, struggle through it, if that makes sense, I feel closer to him right? Because it's, so it's interesting how we naturally connect to him these ways, but it's not like we can't connect with him in the way that in whatever instinct we're repressing. And so like when I'm, when I'm struggling through the process of like, of the sexual instinct, it's, it feels like he is teaching me and he's pulled and he's like close to me in that. And I've learned how to like, I don't, I can't, I can connect with him more than just what's what's easy for me. Like he wants that he wants more for me. He wants me to be inept at, or not inept. That's the opposite of what I'm saying. Um, he wants me apt. apt in all three, right? Like, and, and I feel like by by his grace, he can. We and we we can be inept and we can be inept. Why do I keep saying that? We can be apt in all three.
0: I think it's I like yes. I think we're designed to experience and and move through all three instincts. But then there's also something to say about like. I think like the nature of humans being like dysfunctional things is kind of why we have a dominant instinct and Mm. a repressed instinct. Um, But yet I also think it's part of God's design. Like, I don't know if that makes any sense. It might be diluted, but like this idea that like somehow there is something beautiful that we experience differently because of that. Um, Basically um, I had a a similar experience as well, not with the sexual instinct, of course, but with self-preservation. Because today when I was talking with God about all this thing, like I feel this need to, somehow change people, um, not even just change them, like fix their lives, but like, I need to touch them. I need to interact with them in a way that like transforms them. Um, I had this realization. I just asked God to come and meet me. Like, I, I, I want to hear a word from you. I want to speak to you. Like, would you just communicate to me beyond the noise of my own mind? And instead, like he didn't say anything to me, but I, I had this image in my head of, of the Lord handing me manna, um, like manna from heaven. And it was literally just this simple thing. And he didn't even speak to me. It was an invitation to eat. Um, and I think what he was trying to tell me is that there's like, there's this narrative in my head that I have to somehow transform the world every time I interact with it. And that is the only way I can then interact with God. But really that like, that doesn't make any sense. And and he was inviting me to just exist and to allow him to nurture my spirit, which was really sweet and profound, but I was curious I was it was curious to me that you just said that thing about like how God also wants to reach us in the in the instinct that we'd rather ignore all day long,
1: because you've said before that that you see that you can um, make up for your lack of self- praise with your social and sexual instincts. But your social and sexual instincts are like, let's wow in order for the self-prez to be taken care of by my other two instincts. And even that right there is, is the, is, you know, the Lord being like, no, here's self-prez right here. You don't have to wow me. You don't have to make up for your lack of it. Like here it is on a platter.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I wonder also too, like how much of that relates to me being an image type? Like does the heart center make me feel like there has to be performance? And the answer to that is Yes. I know that's true. Like, it, it does feel like there needs to be performance. And especially especially as as a rejection type, there feels like there has to be this offering to God. Every time I approach him, there has to be something that I bring him. Um, and if not, then I don't really, I, I, it, it's not even like I feel shame about it. It just doesn't occur to me that I could even speak to him without having anything, even like a pure heart. Um, I don't know. I just had this realization today. Like I've become so self, I don't think of myself as a violently independent person, but I've become so self, um, reliant when it comes to how I handle my own spirituality with God.
1: Jess, did you have anything to add to that?
0: No, I don't, I
1: hate the, I hate the whole, like work on
2: your blind instinct thing. Honestly, not because like I think like the theory is wrong, just because like I do not want to do that.
0: <laughs> I think the so. fact that you hate it is good, right? Isn't that the point? Like it's supposed to hurt.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I don't want to do it. <laughs> right. I'm not doing it. <laughs> the other night, Jack and I were talking about like working on our our blind instincts, and not not to say like anyone who's not doing that, you're just like you're completely failing at life. It's just hard, and so it's but it's also an area. That you learn just new things about life in general because you're working, you know, you're exploring an, a third of life that you just d- you don't think about. But Jack described it as being pulled over a floor of broken glass. Isn't that how you described it? I said that? Yeah.
0: I thought you said that.
1: Did I say that? Okay, well, I...
0: I- Either way, it
1: it was very accurate. I was like, (laughs) like, yeah, that's exactly how it feels. Like trying to get my brain to work like that, or just feel comfortable, or be okay with like it. It really does feel like you're just being dragged and over the shards, and you're like, oh, it hurts so bad. But there, I I had a, I had a statement after the butt, but I don't know what it was.
0: (laughs) It's gone. It's okay. Jess, do you have things you want to ask us or things you want to just talk to us about? Like, if you don't, that's totally fine.
2: Um, One of the things I was thinking about is because I think in terms of how stigmatized the blind spots are, the like being sexually blind isn't like too bad. Being self-pressed blind, you're like a drain on society and being socially blind, you're like objectifying everyone. And that's horrible. Um, But one of the things I thought about that's good about being social blind is and this is probably also because I'm a six, but social blind, you get you can be fully inclusive. So I don't have, I've noticed, I don't have like a like I've seen this in like some pictures where you have like a mountain and you have you, and then you have a circle around you, and those are your best friends, and then another circle and those are your good friends, and another circle is like everyone else. And um, and I just like I don't like those, they just don't exist. So like a a person can like walk in and walk out. People can like, if I were to throw a party I would literally just invite everyone that I knew. Um, There's no like, well, I want this close group of friends to be there or something like that. And so um, I see the ability to be like just truly inclusive even though I'm sure it would like people would like to know that they're in a certain circle and whatnot.
1: But by not having, you know, by by not excluding people, you still have a circle. It just happens to be the circle of everyone you know.
2: <laughs> I would, I don't know, I would, I don't know if animals wanted to come. <laughs> yeah,
0: it's <laughs> funny. I, I honestly, I don't think of myself as at all, like as an exclusive person, but I, I do think I do that more than you do, Jess. Like, I, I do feel like there is a although to be honest it my the way I'm using social to like gatekeep people is not even usually for like social purposes it's usually for sexual purposes it's usually like I want this very specific there's one specific like chemical reaction that occurred between me and this other person and now I will perpetuate any social circumstance I have to do to re to reinvent that um, and so the only people I won't invite are the people who would interrupt what I'm trying to Uh do sexually basically like it's really like i don't care who's there or not but if as long as it's not like disrupting my agenda which is so selfish but like it it really i honestly think it is the way i am operating when, when i'm when i am being exclusive um
1: wow i am not i i i am so convicted by what you just said because i am i feel like i'm very exclusive And mostly because I'm very concerned about how everyone else's experience is going to be. And so the people I invite is not necessarily just for my benefit, but actually for everyone else's benefit. So like when I think about who I'm inviting, I'm like, well, is that person going to make that other two people comfortable or will they feel like, you know, like, Like, I don't just invite random people if I know that they're not, like, a talkative person because I don't want them to feel like they're the only one who doesn't know anyone there. So I'll then invite, you know, someone else and then introduce them beforehand and then bring them to the thing. And now they know at least one other person. And now, you know, so it's like you're crafting these... I'm crafting the whole group of people and I don't want anyone, like... I think it's a little bit of a... I don't deep down don't have faith that people will be okay if I just like invite everybody right but I want to make sure that like as best I can I create an environment where the people who come can feel welcome when they're there and it's not just like you're welcome if I invite you but you're welcome if because I've concocted the entire event so that each individual person feels comfortable being there but I'm thinking about all of that when I invite people to things and then I don't speak to any of them (laughs) no no I do but I barely like like then the whole time I'm just I'm just making sure everyone else is getting along with everyone else and then I'm like in the corner or something you know I'll talk to people for like five minutes but I'm not having like long conversations usually because I'm so concerned about how everyone else is doing at the at the party
0: that is so interesting I wonder if that I wonder how that um differs because of like social self-press being a contra flow stacking like maybe that's just a social dominant thing in general and I'm like fabricating this idea but like I wonder how like the the way social self-press is sort of like it's socially engaging but it's not really participating I wonder how that would be different from like social sexual you know what I'm saying like I'd, I'd love to have we have some people that we could definitely invite back on that would be really interesting to talk to you about that but I like Jess do you think that's a do you think that's related to contraflow at all, or am I just mistaking that? And you think also? No, that
2: would that would make sense with the contra like kind of just stepping back and this, especially the social sexual that wants to be like in the fun, you know, and like and sharing that energy. Like that would make sense to me.
1: Yeah, I just want it to be happening nearby.
0: That's <laughs> 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 so that's so intriguing. I. Uh, i'm realizing i feel like totally ambivalent about what's happening socially most of the time that's like so funny to me because i i mean i guess that's the point of the secondary instinct but like the way the two of you were talking about it i'm like none of like why is that a big deal like either way (laughs) but it's just funny to me. well
1: it's the exact same like this is actually a really fun trio because the way that we are talking about social is the way that you and i talk about the sexual instinct jack because i'm most concerned with it and Jess is most logically thinking about it cuz it's the one that comes least naturally to her. And then with the so- the sexual instinct, I'm I'm the one logically thinking about it cuz it doesn't come naturally to me, but you're the one that's obsessed with it because it comes most naturally to you. And it's just like and then with self-pres, I would wonder with you guys, you being
0: it's it's really the nature we're both freaked out by it because she's overdoing it. I'm underdoing it and you don't really care.
1: Exactly. So all of us don't really care about one of the things. And it's so funny to hear the other two talk about it.
0: It is funny to hear us talk about it, especially because like we're on Zoom right now and I'm seeing the three of us and we're literally like we are the contraflow, like Malia's social self presence and she flows into Jess, who's at the bottom. And then Jess is self press sexual, which flows into me. and I'm sexual, social. And then I flow back into Malia. It's like this concept of like three people who are trying to understand each other and yet are also somehow like even I, I do believe this concept to some degree, like even somehow right now, I think we're probably missing each other a little bit. Yeah, Because we are because we are sort of like stepping away Even from this interaction uh, unconsciously And I don't know if that's a real thing But I'd love to somehow explore that more
1: That's so interesting Wow,
0: wow. Um, What was I going to say? There was something else I was going to say Oh Jess brought up a good thought Which like basically she was trying to toot her own horn About how wonderful it is that she's not an exclusive person <laughs> So I thought um, Malia Malia, why don't you toot your own horn What's the gift of being sexual blind And I'll toot my own horn about being self res blind Like, what do we have to offer? You know what I'm saying.
1: Mm. Uh, I think I am willing to lay myself down for the sake of the tribe. (laughs) I am. I am not concerned about um, like I. You know that we talked about this two weeks or like you know two episodes ago. Um, Classic girl code. I'm I'm there to the end. You know, or bro code. Right. Like I will. I will lay down my life for the tribe you know and i so i think there's no thwarting there's no you know i'm i'm there to make sure everyone is having an equally good time no one more no one less just like equal good time and i'm not even involved because i know if everyone else is having a good time i am going to have a good time so it really is selfish in the end but here here's my tooting of the horn is that everyone else will also have a good time if i'm having one <laughs> um yeah, so I think I love that. It's just like a hyper concern about everyone else in the in the experience along with me. What about you?
0: Hmm. Well, you're tooting your own horn about social dominance and not really sexual blindness, which is perhaps a different thing. Well, I because I can yeah. toot my own horn about about sexual dominance, but I don't even know what that is. I guess that like I don't know, what would I say about tooting my own horn about sexual dominance? I'm very persistent and um, I have no fear drilling into people, which I think is a cool skill and people, and it makes people like feel interesting. I've heard a lot of people say like, you make me feel special mm. and interesting, which maybe is partially too, but I also literally can like shut the whole world out when it's like, Oh, this person. Right. Um, maybe that's not completely true, but like I do, I do for the most part, like hone in pretty well. And I think I make people feel special that way, but also... Perhaps my gift in being self-pres blind is that I literally feel like I can go f- do anything forever. Mm. Like I, like anything that I want to do, I can do eternally. And I also, oh, 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 actually, this is a realistic. Maybe this is just feeding too, but like there is this genuine feeling that like no matter what it is that I'm, there, there's like nothing self-pres related that would stop me from like doing what other people would need. Mm. You know, like if someone came to me and was like. Mm. Like literally, I heard about a friend's mom who died, and I knew she had been sick for a long time, and I found out that she had died like the night before the funeral, and the funeral was uh, the drive to the funeral was like eight, seven, seven hours away from me, and it was like midnight. So technically, the day of the funeral, and I was genuinely considering like, I don't have anything black. Like, could I go get something black? And like, there was literal physical constraints, but there was no there was no barrier, there was no self-pressed barrier of like, I literally can't afford time, energy, money, whatever to do that. There Mm -hmm. was just this feeling of like, I can go realistically, I couldn't go because I didn't have the things I needed um, for it to be socially appropriate. But like, maybe that's a, maybe that's a a Mm -hmm. gift. I don't know.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. You're willing to sacrifice that because it doesn't, it's an easy sacrifice to make. And and I think that's,
0: yeah, it doesn't feel, that's
1: that's more so
0: it doesn't feel like a sacrifice, honestly.
1: Right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And that's, that's the benefit is that it's almost like seen as a sacrifice and it doesn't, it's just your natural sacrifice that you would be doing normally. Like it doesn't even feel like sweat off your back. Right.
0: Well, what a gift. Cause then it reinforces neurosis. How wonderful. Well, exactly.
1: That's what I'm saying. Well, and that, that, that's what I meant by like, I'm not, there's no like coercion or anything with being sexual blind. I'm just like, everyone is everyone's friend because I'm blind to everyone else as well so it it, it's just like I'm blind to any like kind of other than friendship happening so that it's just like it's easy to just bring everyone together and like not not get these weird feelings involved because you're just kind of like bring it in you know so I, I think that's more what I was saying uh which is obviously social first but it definitely helps be, that it's that it's sexual blind, yeah
2: that's cool. Cause then you're not there. there there's no choosiness. You're, you're you're not picking someone out.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You
2: can equally tend to all. That
0: makes sense. That sounds kind of boring, but I'm so glad that you're good at <laughs> that. Like, what a gift. Well, that's
1: why we're friends, Jack. You um, can help me. I can help you. There you go. It is. And now we have Jess to finish the trio.
0: Actually, I think we're friends because of our we we do have justice through i was going to say we're actually friends because we're maniacs but um in other senses they're, that you're right you're very right <laughs>
1: maybe more so that uh.
0: yes maybe more so or the shared sense of humor um just are there anything are there any other things you wanted to talk about think about because you're the real star of the show today
2: i know i don't know if i was successful just by being me in this and doing this but like kind of to reiterate that like if someone is being a lot socially like if just the concept the the when I first learned about the instincts I thought social blind meant like social asshole and and when someone is being socially a lot and you might be more looking at a social dominant versus a social blind um, because if your type is serving your instincts that means that all of your neuroses are coming out into your dominant instinct. And just that it's just so intriguing to me that like the blind instinct is just not like a negative, like a negative disgust or hate into that instinct. It's just that you don't think about it.
0: That is good to think about because I think we are still repulsed by the, by like the last instinct when it shows up, but it's not like there's this conscious feeling about it. It's just like a, I don't want to think about that. And then when I'm forced to, it's like, ew, where did that come from? Bye. You know, it's like we just kind of shove it back into the cave. I don't know if that's what you're saying at all, but that's how I. Yeah. 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 It's
1: a muscle you don't use. So when you use it, it's really, really tiring to use. So you just try and find ways to not use it. Basically.
0: I like that. I like that. Um, I would love, I would love to have Jess back to talk about, um just like w- more about what six even is, especially as a self pressed six, because that is so unbelievable to me that that exists to be self pressed dominant and a six at the same time. It's like, wow, that's a, d- 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 wow. I cannot imagine what that would feel but like. Why? But, um,
2: but why is it like why more weird than like a different six It's not any like more weird. Number? It's
0: just, I, I can't envision it. You know what I'm saying? I think it's that my own hmm. access to the social instinct and my own access to seven gives me a sense of like, I can guess what social self press seven would feel like for Malia. And honestly, like Malia and I are pretty similar a lot of the time, but like to be a self-prez six, I have no idea. So we we will definitely have you back to talk about such things. Um, if not other things as well, <laughs> but Malia, is there anything you want to share?
1: I think we covered a lot. This is going to be a good one. And, um, and we'll obviously, we'll have, we'll have her back for, for more
0: guys so glad you joined us listening to us tonight um thanks to jess for being on this episode i had a lot of fun talking about the things that we talked about obviously i want to say um for anyone who is listening that has questions about the enneagram you can find us at not my type like i said before um but also i know we talked a lot about faith too if you're interested in our spiritual journeys and our spiritual lives like that might intrigue you so you can uh reach out and ask about that and we'll share our experience our thoughts um and really anything else, too, with people who like people. Um, well, I can Seriously, reach
1: out to us. We will get back to you. Thanks, y'all, for listening. And we'll be back. Adios.
0: Bye. Bye.